You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. The Ref, which came out in 1994 and was directed by Ted Demi. It stars Dennis Leary, Judy Davis, Kevin Spacey, Glynis Johns, Robert Steinmeller Jr., Raymond J. Barry, Richard Bright, B.D. Wong, Adam Lefevre, Bill Raymond, J.K. Simmons, and Christine Baranski. The genre would be Christmas comedy. Dear Santa, the last time I wrote to you, I was eight years old. That was more than 25 years ago. I know it's been a long time, but you're my last hope. I just don't know who else to turn to. You see, this year for Christmas, I want the same things I've always wanted. Peace on Earth, goodwill towards men, and a jet. A big, fat, silver, giant, jumbo 747 jet. Shut up! I'm talking here! According to my records, I requested the same items on the afternoon of December 1st, 1965. Guess what? They never came. What I get instead? Vietnam, the Brady Bunch, and John Denver. Thanks! I'm beat. You got a pen, Santa? Because I'm updating my list, okay, pal? I want bikes and booze and baseball cards. Cash, cabbage, money, moolah. I want toys and trucks and some assembly required. I want the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. I want the 17th snack ring glow and the dark frisbees. I want a couch, a chocolate couch, a big brown couch made completely out of chocolate so I can lay down, put my feet up, and start snacking. Nope. I want it all, and I want it delivered to my house on the evening of December 24th. 1993, and if it's not there by midnight, I'm taking a hostage. Yes, tell your friend the Easter Bunny, he can expect a call from me too. What are you looking at? With the qualifier that I am Jewish, though I have married Catholic twice, so I celebrate Christmas, this might be my all-time favorite Christmas comedy. At the end of a day filled with little kids, teenagers, gift wrap, toys, and ignorant in-laws who I have been clearly instructed to keep my mouth shut about, I cannot think of a better way to cap off Christmas Eve, which is when I last watched this last Christmas Eve. This movie is just funny in an unapologetic way. Spacey, Davis, and Leary, and probably his first real starring role, they are not playing likable people here, but they are playing them like an Algonquin round table, constantly dishing out nonstop barbs. Spacey and Davis are the couple at the center of this, Lloyd and Caroline. And the movie opens with them having a therapy session with B.D. Wong, playing Dr. Wong. Real creative, guys. In a heated but hysterical therapy session, which opens the movie and perfectly sets the tone. Photography courses, existential philosophy courses, Scandinavian cooking classes. At least I go after my dreams. To be what? Somebody who takes photographs of Lutfish to prove the nothingness of being? No wonder our son's so confused. Oh, see? He blames me for Jesse, is that right? I'm not here to judge or to take sides. Oh, what the hell good are you? You're the one who suffocated him with limitations. Our son's a very sensitive, creative Juvenal boy. Juvenile delinquent. Boy, he has the kind of imagination... That the he... mafia gives scholarships for. Oh, In the God. ninth grade, we told him he could get a part-time job. You ready for what he did? He started an escort service for the football team, and he gave out my mother's phone number. And I still say getting laid by an 18-year-old linebacker is just what she needs. Please, let's lower our voices. Fuck you! you. 
The chemistry between the three leads makes this movie. Now, there's barely any plot. I mean, really, Leary's Gus, who is a burglar, his getaway is supposed to be the impetus for the story, but it almost feels like an afterthought by the time we get to the end. But you don't really need it. Looking for a friend of mine. He's kind of a uh, short, uh, drunken loser. He just described everybody in the plot. <laughs> All right, well, so just see if there's a guy named Murray there, okay? Is there a Murray here? I don't think he's here, pal. See if there's a waste of fucking life named Murray. Try that one, okay? Is there a fucking waste of life named Murray here? Yes. Uh... The Ref is basically a series of increasingly awkward scenes, kind of along the lines of The Office Christmas, but R-rated, with loads of funny banter, sharp reactions, some fun costume design, got those Swedish candle hats, and a couple of surprisingly effective monologues in the third act, which give it just enough heart and some stakes for our two main protagonists. Beyond that, you just have a murderer's row of a supporting cast of veteran and or future stars genuinely bringing the heat with their own sets of barbs and priceless reactions. Glynis Johns playing the ultimate passive-aggressive mother-in-law. Raymond J. Barry, who it seems was literally in every other movie during this era, playing the local put-upon sheriff. Uh, Lieutenant, I uh, found this mask with a weird smell. Urine. Oh, thank God. Phil thought it might be semen. Phil needs to talk to a therapist. Future star of The Good Wife, The Gilded Age, and likely a half dozen other notable shows, Christine Baranski as the perpetually aggravated sister-in-law. Mom, the TV's broke. What are we going to do all night? Celebrate the birth of Christ. But I'm not hungry. Eat. Don't annoy me. It's Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is either you're good or you're punished and you burn in hell. Oh and future Oscar winner J.K. Simmons as the military school leader being blackmailed by their son, Lieutenant Siskel, because he's indignant and bald, get it? There's definitely a silly slapdash aspect to this production, including some uncreative character names, which I've mentioned already. But damn if this film is just not highly watchable and perfect viewing for some quiet time amidst the Christmas insanity. You know, lady, I'd like to tie you to the back of a fucking truck. You don't have the balls. No, no. This one I had Don't. It's not worth it. What? Uh, I fucking hate it. I know. Uh, I know. Mary, gag your grandma. Uh, what the fuck is wrong with you? I thought moms are supposed to be nice and, and sweet and, and, and patient. I know loan sharks that are more forgiven than you. Your husband ain't dead, lady. He's hiding. This brings us to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. The score for this movie is certainly interesting, and it also happens to be composed by a true pop musical genius. I'm referring to Sunderland UK's own Dave Stewart, who initially made a name for himself back in the 1980s as one half of the creative duo driving one of the best pop groups of that era. The Eurythmics. Yep, it was Annie Lennox and him in all those music videos. He was the one often seen wearing the fedora, who was not singing. For the band, he was their main keyboardist and producer, and essential to the fantastic, unique new wave sound that that band created during that time. Want to dive into your ocean?
And if you've heard many of the best Eurythmics songs and other stuff which Stewart has produced since that band broke up in the early 90s, one word I've always used to describe his sound was, in fact, cinematic. Brass, strings, the works. So for him to conduct scores kind of always made sense. And he's conducted a few scores, though not for more than 20 years. His mostly orchestral score for The Ref is in fact quite dramatic, though. I mean, I don't know if it always matches the overall playful tone of the movie, as it often sounds kind of serious. But that said, there are still some highlights, most notably the opening credits theme, which also features the choral sounds of children, no less. It's actually quite lovely. As it follows the cold open sequence of our main couple screaming at each other with Dr. Wong, you could say that this opening credit sequence even helps to bring us back to a more Christmas-themed vibe, albeit with a mid-tempo world music electronic beat, which is just so mid-90s. We hear this music over a montage of this small New England town where our main characters live. Gentle images of holiday lights, snow, Christmas trees. If nothing else, it's probably good background music to play when decorating and or wrapping presents. This track is called Opening Theme. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with this film. Yeah, looking back on The Ref, it's a sad reminder of a burgeoning talent who just left us way too soon. I'm referring, of course, to the director, Ted Demi, who was 31 at the time that this film was released, this being only his second feature film. Demi grew up in New York City and initially made a name for himself in the late 80s, early 90s, directing music videos for acts like Salt and Pepper and also concert films for star, then full-on stand-up comedian, Dennis Leary. But his feature film debut was just the year before with the underrated hip-hop comedy, Who's the Man?, starring Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. Yeah, you heard that right. Dr. Dre was the star. And he was quite funny, no less, playing a barber who becomes a cop. The following year, Demi would direct The Ref for his frequent collaborator, Dennis Leary, giving him what I'm pretty sure was his first real meaty role on screen. A couple of years later, he would also direct the underrated, though also sadly dated, ensemble rom-com Beautiful Girls, which had a stacked cast, including Timothy Hutton, Uma Thurman, Matt Dillon, and a then 15-year-old Natalie Portman. And yes, her character is certainly one of the more dated aspects, but it's still a very funny, entertaining movie. So yeah, Demi had a pretty nice run through the early 2000s as a director, culminating with the 2001 release of the crime drama Blow, starring Johnny Depp in one of his best career performances, portraying George Young, who was the American half of a partnership leading the explosion of the cocaine trade in the 1970s. Blow was a sad, haunting movie, and sadly, it would also be Demi's final directorial effort, as he would die the following year, in 2002, of a heart attack, which would eventually be determined to be, as a result, too much cocaine in his system. Yes, unfortunately, Demi had a long-running drug problem, which he never quite got a handle on. He died at the age of 38 and was, by all accounts, a fun, engaging, talented filmmaker to work with. Wow, only 38. And he'd already built up a pretty solid career. Who knows what other gems he might have helmed? And tragically, we'll never know. R.I.P. to Ted Demi, a genuinely wasted talent. 
The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now back to those Swedish candle hats. This brings us to the story behind St. Lucia, which Judy Davis's Caroline educates us on, and the people sitting at the table, just over an hour into the movie. This story and all the associated food provide Caroline's impetus for the elaborate Christmas dinner which she has prepared. What we're having is a traditional Scandinavian Christmas feast. We have roast suckling pig, fresh baked kringlors with a honey pecan dipping sauce, seven-day-old lutefish, and lamb gookins. What you're wearing on your heads are called Lucia reeds. They're worn in honor of Saint Lucia, a brave and noble woman I admire very much. A woman whose beliefs were so strong, they rendered her inflammable. Needless to say, it's quite the story. And to top it all off, we are watching everyone at the table wearing these absurd hats with lit candles atop them. As the story goes, Lucia was engaged to be married. And instead of giving her dowry to her in-laws, she gave it to the poor people of the village. Her husband-to-be, thinking she was out of her mind, <laughs> betrayed her to the Romans as a Christian. And they condemned her to burn at the stake. But although she was surrounded by flames, she would not burn. It's a funny image for sure. And even funnier watching how each cast member tries to speak while having six burning flames atop their heads. Everything about this sequence is just pure comedy gold, including watching Baranski's Connie really shine with her trademark irritable facial expressions. And they had to stab her with a sword. My God. Is this a Christmas story? Who cares? My forehead is blistering. I think it's cool, Aunt Caroline. Thank you. <laughs> okay, dig in, everybody. Just a fun standout sequence, but also plot-driven. There'd be discussion in this scene, which would carry over into the third act. Good stuff. The final category would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. As much as I truly enjoy Dennis Leary in this movie, and the title of the movie is in fact referring to his character, he does what he's hired to do, undoubtedly. But the core of this movie, the couple at its center, the Chasseurs, if I think that's pronouncing it right, Lloyd and Caroline, it's their relationship which drives the overall narrative, their conflict, and their resolution. I mean, some of the stuff that they're discussing, especially as things just go all out heightened after that Christmas dinner, it's actually pretty serious stuff, including a past infidelity, failed business of theirs, and the insecurities that they both have felt in their marriage. And Davis and Spacey pretty much play this dialogue straight, while never veering too far from the absurdity of the situation, that they're sharing their Christmas with this burglar whom they've actually become quite affectionate towards. Tonally, it's just such a bizarre tightrope to walk. But they walk it. And as real genuine actors who are still in a comedy, who know how to bring the funny, but are not playing it for laughs, if that makes sense. You know, you and my wife have a lot in common. You both think you have some right to life working out the way you want it to. And if it doesn't, you get to act any way you want. Problem with that is someone still has to be responsible. I'd love to run around taking classes and playing with my inner selfness. I'd love the freedom to be a pissed off criminal without any responsibility, except I don't have the time. But you don't see me with a gun. You don't see me sleeping with someone else. Okay, Kevin Spacey, yeah. Look, I'm not going to get into the type of problematic person which he has presented himself as in recent years. But undoubtedly, the dude could always act. 
This was right in the middle of a sterling mid-90s run of top-flight performances, including one which won him an Oscar, The Usual Suspects. Around this time, he also did Swimming with Sharks, Seven, and previous episode, L.A. Confidential. This was peak Spacey, and he brings all of his uniquely clipped acting chops to the table, playing someone which could have easily been a throwaway role in lesser hands. And Judy Davis, she was coming off a pretty strong run herself in the early 90s, having delivered engaging, idiosyncratic work for several of the best directors working at the time, no less, including David Lynch, Woody Allen, and the Coen brothers. She was just a couple of years removed from her Oscar-nominated supporting turn, and she should have won, by the way, in Husbands and Wives. She's just fantastic in that movie, by the way. Oh, you're in love. So fast? I don't fucking believe it. So what you essentially had here was the setup for a broad holiday comedy with two real actors at the center of it giving their all, and it all blending together seamlessly. Both Lloyd and Caroline are hysterical. They're each dishing out barbs with the best of them, and their comic timing is spot on. But they're also playing relatable characters, and we do in fact feel for them as well. For pulling off such a great tonal balance to carry this movie, Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis are your co-MVPs. I had this crazy dream. Do we have to do dreams? I was at this fancy restaurant having lunch, and the waiter bought me my entree. It was a salad. It was Lloyd's head on a plate of spinach with his penis sticking out of his ear. And I said, I didn't order this. And the waiter said, you must try it. It's a delicacy. But don't eat the penis. It's just garnish. Mm. Lloyd, what do you think about the dream? I think she should stop telling it at dinner parties to all our friends. My rating for the ref would be four and a half stars out of five. Yep, in the annals of great Christmas comedies, and to be honest, I'm not a fan of most of them, I would put this one at the very top. Just ahead of A Christmas Story and previous episode, Elf. Albeit, this one is much more profane. And if you're looking to watch The Ref, it is available to buy or rent on all major online platforms. And that ends another dysfunctional review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. You know something? You are a piece of work, pal. I tell you to get a boat, this is what you get. Get out of the fucking way. What? When are we gonna open presents? Presents? Is that what you said? Presents? I'll tell you what, as soon as we get back, we're gonna open the presents. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, I'll save you the trouble. Your present is a giant fucking cannon, okay? And when we get back, you're gonna crawl into it, okay? I'm gonna put two pounds of gunpowder in there, I'm gonna light it up, and I'm gonna shoot you right out of fucking Jersey, okay? And then I'm gonna steal a car and drive to Jersey and pick up all the little fucking pieces of your body, put them in a big plastic bag, bring them back to my house, put them in the fireplace, light them on fire, I'm gonna sit down with a glass of whiskey and watch the Charlie Brown special with your ashes hit my fucking house! Oh! Yes? What? What's that smell? Shut up.